Hey everybody, it's uh, Richie Buzzkill here. We're going to talk to Alan Barr of Go Out Night Games about Carrion Lands. Check out carrion.lands or uh, drive through RPG for the PDF or the print on demand. It's uh, pretty cool and we're going to get into some interesting discussion about that. Rah. Hey Alan, uh, welcome back to Full Metal RPG. Uh, hey, I'm thanks. Uh, I'm a new member, Richie Buzzkill, uh, but, uh, you know, you've met me in person, so a few times. But. Yeah. So, you know, we're basically family. <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh, Facebook uh, for real. So <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so uh, we're here to talk about uh, Carrying Lands. I, uh, I'm really interested to, uh, there's all kinds of interesting bits in here. So I always yeah. like... Um, I like uh, I like that you're going for kind of a, it's a, like a survival fantasy game. Is that what we're? Yeah, I'd call it survival horror. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty horrible there. So, <laughs> in terms of the not the quality, but like the content. No, no, no. The the actual like land itself, not the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the game, not the game. The game is. Uh, <laughs> oh, we just lost all our listeners right there. Oh well, I mean. <laughs> Let's see if, how many we can get back. So, <laughs> uh, that's not how this works. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, so you have, uh, you know, been kind of a, a man about the RPG town these last few years. Like you're all over the place with your tiny, uh, tiny D6 series. Yeah. Um, so you've, uh, for Carrion Lands, you decided to kind of go with a different uh, tact here. Can you can you kind of give me your elevator pitch for this? So yeah, so we're doing an ash can, and part of the reason why is that uh, Kickstarter is exhausting, um, and it's getting harder and harder to run Kickstarters, both in terms of investment. It's crowded, um, yeah, and then there's all the union stuff. There's a whole, oh, excuse me, there's a whole um. It's just a lot. And so I was like, well, we we spent all the money we would spend in a run-up to Kickstarter, right? We we spent the money on the art and the, the, the writing, all the stuff we would do. So when we launched the Kickstarter, the game was mostly done. Um, and I said, let's just take that and let's just put that up for sale as an ash can and we'll collect feedback. We set up a website. People can submit feedback. Uh, we're letting it sit for about a month and a half or so. And then we're going to start rolling out updates to it based on the feedback. Sort of like a living uh, beta, uh, but we're charging for it because we're a small company and the money we make goes toward funding the full game. And that's an interesting point because I don't think a lot of people realize how much it costs to start to do a Kickstarter right and have the art ready and have writing and have all that the time and effort it takes to build that page so it's compelling and interesting so but i can certainly understand why you would want to go this direction where with an ash can because it's it giving people a sample of play it, or a sample of of your work and uh you know a beta uh to experience is off is right. kind of uh, a, a new old way of doing things. I mean, there were certainly people doing convention betas, but yeah. forever, but like the, this has kind of become uh, the new trend. I see a lot of other companies, uh, Matt, uh, uh, Magpie, Magpie, does this, yeah. Magpie does this. And I think it's kind of caught on in the indie scene. And sometimes the indie scene that the ash can is what you get. Like that's the entire game. 
Well, and sometimes, you know, like part of it is based on sales. If the game doesn't catch, if people aren't talking about it, it's not selling, you know, we're not going to put more money into it, you know? Right. It's uh, it's kind of a soft way to test the market. Now, Carrion Lands is pretty much complete. It's, uh, it's really only missing the setting stuff. All the rules are in there. There might be some changes, there might be some tweaks, there might be some expansions, but it's a, it's a full playable game. Yeah, it's, it's 100 pages. Yeah, and and I've uh, I've read through it, so we can we can get into a little more detail into uh, what's in there. So um, I see a lot of influences, obviously Conan and yep. like you know the Conan influenced stuff like Dark Sun and some other you know like that kind mm-hmm. of like aesthetic. But one thing I I mean the opening for all the characters I kind of wanted to talk about that a great deal but the the influence I saw and maybe I'm like wishful thinking is like a Las Vegas where uh, hmm. where you wake up in the desert not remembering who you are but maybe I'm not maybe I I'm remembering No um that is entirely potentially an influence I I own a Las Vegas I don't think I've ever read it Oh okay because that that's an interesting that's a whole interesting beast on, unto itself. But that's the opening to that game. No spoilers, because that game is very spoilerish. Uh, is you wake up in the desert not remembering who you are, and part of play is remembering who you are. But that's it's a very indie title where this is much more in the kind of fan. You know, a little more the mechanics are much more in the fantasy traditional style. I mean, there's some interesting stuff here. We can get into that, but. Sure. Um, but it was just an interesting, like, I was, like, struck by this, like, opening of, so are you not supposed to remember who you are when you start? Is that, like... That you have no memories. So you're, you're cu- it's kind of like that traditional, like, uh, player who didn't want to write the backstory. We're all going to find out your backstory at the table. Um, <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of like that, but uh, built into the game. Cool. Well, that, that, uh, so is the, uh, are the, um... Is the game master supposed to um, like have kind of a the the first bit of the map kind of mapped out for the players so they can kind of once and obviously it seems like you're going to be playing to find out a lot here as well. Sure. As you expand uh, and build your own settlements and stuff like that. Yeah. Is- so the full game uh, will have uh, a map um, of the Carrion Lands as a whole with a few specific. Locations. I'm actually taking a lot of inspiration from uh, Forbidden Lands. Right. Oh, that's that. Yeah, um, cool. With that, so you're gonna you're gonna find a lot of similarities there um, in the way settlements and the map work. Um, but yeah, the players will wake up anywhere on the map the GM wants. Um, they they have a history. They will start with time spent in past careers. Sort of. Excuse me. Sort of that muscle memory, right? Like the born identity. You wake up. You know, and you know how to do uh, martial arts, but you don't know why. You're you're just kind of like kind of trying to survive, like the barest, meagerest, uh, right? At the very yeah. very beginning, exactly. You have these muscle memories, these skill sets that you don't know why they exist. And, and is there a traveler influence in the whole career system and the fact that you can die in character creation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the whole game is actually built on the OGL um, between uh, the BOL hack. Um, the black hack, and then uh, an OGL called Cepheus Light, which is the Traveler OGL. Okay, because I saw OGL, and of course, because I'm not, uh, I'm not super into Traveler. I just know the kind of rudiment ba- basics. It, yep. They have an OGL as well. Because I was thinking, like, they have D- an OGL, D- and D- they have a game called <laughs> Cepheus Light, which is like a really stripped down, minimalist version of Traveler. Okay, 
And that's uh, where we got the life path system. And then it was obviously modified and tweaked and changed to fit uh, carrion land. Right. This this kind of like uh, border. Um, it, it's like a it, it's a wasteland, right? But there's different kinds of wasteland throughout the right. you know uh, land. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everything. It's like an entire setting based on Australia. Everything wants to kill you. Well, I mean, I live in uh, Arizona, so we have. I've been like, to Arizona. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wants to kill me. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. It wants to kill you, but it's like it's like Australia light. So I feel like we're we're, we're kind of in the in the same. Uh, yeah. Vein. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so you you wake up and you're trying to survive, and then encounter this world that is trying to grind you even further in the dirt than you not remembering. Right. There are evil wizards, but like you, you, you lay it out so a player could play the wizard, and then you tell them, "Nah, this is really a, an NPC class." Can you tell me about that decision? Yeah. So, well, so this draws really heavily from um, I'm going to call it classic sword and right. sorcery literature, like yeah. the old pulp sword and sorcery. Um, and magic is almost universally misunderstood. And no matter the intentions, always leads to evil. There's very few truly good magicians. They're just right. not evil. They're yet. always mysterious and kind of like cloaking in the corner and still helping, but then eventually, you know, you're gonna have to fight them. So, <laughs> right. And so the magician is very much that. And uh, you know, they get they get some pretty powerful benefits. The magic system is very beneficial to them, but they, you know, they risk. Having anybody who meets them want right. to stab them, in and the I face. didn't. Maybe I missed it. Was there a, like a consequences to? I mean, like there was lots of like grim stuff you had to do to cast a spell. Like I got that. Was there a, a kind of a backlash system in there, or like a a, a taint system, as it were? Uh, well, yes and no. Um, you can completely fail to cast spells successfully. That uh, that can entirely happen. And that's yeah. not great if you well, do. That's, that's very like the um, players would hate that. Hate that. I, mean, <laughs> I I can sense what what if I was GMing such a, a player and they're like, yeah, I'm badass and I'm I'm gonna summon a demon and then I failed even though I like sacrificed all this stuff. He's like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the way the way it works is. You can choose to cast a spell. So every, all the magicians have these arcane power points. It's like a pool of points they can spend to cast their spells. And based on the magnitude of the spell, uh, the, there's four magnitudes. There's a minimum cost, and then there's the recommended cost, is what I'm going to call it. You always have to pay the minimum cost. If you don't pay the recommended cost, you permanently lose arcane power. So you can cheat by casting spells cheaply, but if you do, you'll eventually run out of the ability to cast spells at all. Which may be the best way out of the whole thing, so... <laughs> well, then you're just a wizard without right. your only good class feature. And the Carrion Lands is not yeah. a good place to land. So basically, you've got the martial and martial kind of classes. The or not, it's not really a class so much as like your you you kind of mo modify your stats to be good at one thing, and then then that's what you're doing. Right. Yeah. The hero class is sort of the anything class. Yeah. Your skills are based on the careers you've had. So if you've been a thief. A hero thief is not the same as a hero warrior. Right. So uh, there's no, there's no like, it's just hero, and then you can be a magician or a priest. And, and so, and the priest is kind of a advanced class or kind of like a limited class. You may not want to start with that kind of class. Yeah, it's got a little, it kind of leans into the rules a little more than the rest of the stuff in the game. 
Uh, I mean, I would certainly not recommend to a player that they start well, there. Well, and learning about the, being a priest of a world you don't understand yet is also kind of dangerous, in my opinion. But the <laughs> right it should be dangerous because um, you might get the wrong god. Anyway, so I was I, I read there there was kind of like some interesting tidbits of of world building at the very end, kind of like kind of drawing people in a little bit with the kind of gods deciding to cu- cut themselves off and not be replaced any longer and thus the carry the the carrying lands are is it spoilers to say that it was kind of a trial area is that uh it, it would be but right. i mean we spoil it in the book so um, but the players i sp- uh, maybe i'll cut that out but <laughs> um <laughs> so you yeah, there's a there's a there's a meta plot to the Carrion Lands and why it exists right. as it does, and, and that that gets a re- very interesting. Uh, it gives you something to hang a game on because this is you know like this is a sword and sorcery game, so there's going to be a lot of of uh, surviving and a little bit of very harsh action, right? And it's it's kind of usually pretty dark in in even in the, in the bright moments, but you kind of have this. Uh, uh, you go on a a mission and then you tell people tell the game master how you're going to do after this adventure or whatever you're talking about like right yeah so you actually gain experience by spending all the stuff you get like you you actually don't get to gain experience well you don't actually gain experience what you do is your character after they go do an adventure or something they retire and they blow all the loot and whatever they have gone they they drink it away they you know, they, they visit a brothel, they, they gamble it, whatever. And then they leave on right, another investor. That that solves the the exponential wealth problem in a lot of these kind of games where Well and it and it fits Carrion Lands really well because Carrion Lands isn't a world where you get to live a long happy life, right? You're gonna grab life by right. the horns and just live it. Right? You're gonna you're gonna really just, you know, fuck the ever living <laughs> shit out of life as long as you can. And so characters basically they go out, they get some, they get some coin, they come back, they blow it all, and then they do it again. I mean, sounds like a fun time to me, and that that get, makes every every adventure necessary. Like, yeah, I I have more money than a, a kingdom on my belt, but I still want to go out there and adventure. It's like, realistically, you would you would just go retire and <laughs> hang out at your right. castle or whatever. Yeah. So. Um, so there, there's a there's a great play in uh, a loop there. I, I really enjoy the idea of like dis- describing a uh, a debaucherous uh, uh, dinner or uh, you know a, a, a month long feast, and uh, then everybody's poor and hungry again. And <laughs> yeah, and it's a great little end cap to a session, right? You can say, "Hey, everybody's back. How are you? How do you blow all your money?" And there's this little nice little narrative hook where everybody gets to sort of showcase their character and what their character is like without having to roll dice or focus on a lot of rules. Yeah. So it, it's um, the one the 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 introductory paragraph, and I kind of want and I kind of wanted to expand upon this, but it, your introduction is, is this kind of this game is helping you deal with with your life a little bit. So I kind of really wanted to. If that's okay oh, to talk about, yeah, it's in the book. Right, Anybody can read it if they pay the money. So I guess we can talk about it. So it, you're 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 writing about this, and it, it's it's helping you with your uh, bipolar disorder. Can you tell me a little bit about that, and we can maybe, yeah, 
tell you a little bit about well, like what well, bipolar disorder you could is. Start there, or... but always good for education. Sure. But then okay. you know, tell me how this like grim, uh, uh, yeah. wasteland uh, playing in this and designing this is helping you with this. Uh... Sure. So I'm what's called uh, rapid cycling bipolar, and so that means I escalate between um, mania and depression. And, uh, you know, ask anybody who suffers from clinical depression and they'll tell you it's not normal depression, right? It's a extreme, um, depression. Um, and then mania, everybody's mania is a little bit different, but it's heightened, uh, a heightened mental activity, uh, a- active, elevated mood, high energy, erratic behavior, uh, stuff like that. Um, and so what rapid cycling means is I cycle through those stages faster than the average person okay. who has bipolar okay. It's a different disorder, right? Um, so normal bipolar people might cycle once or twice a year uh, to be, you have to cycle at least four times a year to be considered rapid cycling. And um, and it can be even a lot more than okay, that. Okay, yeah, that, that sounds um, that sounds very difficult to deal with if, if just a, a, you know, very, I mean, bipolar itself sounds very difficult to deal with. And then it being a rapid, more rapid switch and change sounds even more difficult to deal with. So... Yeah, well, and irregardless of that, um, yeah, yeah, yes, it is difficult. Um, but the, the rapid cycling is also, it's a lot of stop and start almost. And so when I was writing Carrion Lands, I was like, I I need to tap into something to write this sort of horrible setting. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I could tap into this. And I was thinking about how they I could correlate them, you know, um, and uh yeah, I mean the the book isn't there to really help me deal with anything. That's why I'm have medication right. and I'm in therapy and stuff. Like 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 a responsible right. adult well, talking to the doctor. Uh, we're, um, we're all very glad that you're you <laughs> have a responsible adult because we wouldn't have a lot of great games without that. So, um <laughs> but uh sort it, it's sort of the the thing that always frustrates me about my mental illness is that is a permanent life-altering illness that I never get to get away from, right? Like, I will always be sick. My, there's a part of my brain that will always want to kill me at least four times a yeah. year, right? Um, and and it, it's not the same as, like, cancer or some of those other terrible diseases people get. Um, a lot of mental illness, you don't see the effects until, you know, sort of after right. it happens, right? Um and so when I was writing this, I was like, I want people to, I wanted to give sort of a metaphor where I could explain to somebody, look, I tell you what bipolar is like. It is like the carrion lands, right? Every day when I wake up, the depression makes it feel like a reset. Uh, because no matter how good my day was before, if I cycle into depression, it does not matter anymore. Um, and then the mania is the inverse of that. And so I, w- I wanted to kind of explain, like, this is that idea encapsulated in a game. Um, so, I mean, that is the answer. Oh, no, no, a please. Too much. Sorry, uh, sorry. It was, it was fascinating and I, I'm glad you were sharing and, uh, this, uh, I could definitely see the influence of, uh, this, the, this, the bipolar cycle and, uh, depression and mania because like the, um, the different activities you're doing and, and this, this world is, I mean, I'm sure that almost everyone in this world has some sort of mental disorder in one way or another. So, well, all, yeah, all the player characters at least have amnesia to start with. And, uh, exploring that would, uh, if, especially if people, 
you know, I'm all for high adventure swords and sorcery stuff, but I think, you know, exploring this, uh, kind of, uh, mental disorders in, in a, you know, open environment where, you know, we have the safety functions and we can, um, talk about this stuff, I think is really helpful for everybody. I mean, I know that there's been, I mean, I, I feel like I had like teenage depression. I mean, it just might've been all the, uh, you know, well, and well, there, there's lots of different types of depression, so it's entirely possible, you know, that you had it, and then as your hormones balanced or changed, you know, it got mitigated, or it went, like it's depression does it can stop and start throughout yeah, life, right? And, and, like, and this is this is something that we're everyone at least deals with in one way or another. I hope that people are becoming more aware of that. So uh, I'm I'm really glad that you're talking about it, and uh, we're getting some some interesting uh, takes on and express expressions of uh this so i'm um i i'm i'm blown away so i i really uh i I think more people need to talk about what's going on in their heads when they're writing games because i think it will help people understand this is uh i wrote a game previously called uh your thrill which was sort of me converting my home fantasy setting to an osr rule set and then tweaking it. As I went through, I had these author sidebars where I explained why I chose mechanics or what was the inspiration behind the Swordmaster class. Why does that exist? Why is this nation like this? You know, and there's a lot of really tropey because I mean, I wrote this, started writing this campaign when I was like 10 or 11, right? So there's lots of just terrible tropey fantasy stuff. And I, I got two responses. I got people who are like, oh, this is so interesting. And I love the sidebars. They're my favorite part. Then I got people going, you are a pretentious fuck if you think we care what you think about the games you wrote. And I I don't necessarily know that either is wrong, per se, because there's value to the designer saying, here's what I think, right? Like, I don't think Burning Wheel would be as good if you didn't know why Luke Green wrote it the way he wrote it. Because he explains his thought process, Burning Wheel makes a lot more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right? But there's, there's also value... And saying, once you hand it off to the player, it becomes whatever they want it to be. And it's not necessary that the designer needs to sort of influence, guide, or, you know, taint that Absolutely. Concept. I mean, the players are, to some extent, there to escape in one way or another, or have an experience that they cannot have in their real lives, one, one way or another. Right. Uh, so I think that, but to me, as someone that reads a lot of these books and, and, uh, thinks about designing games all the time uh i think having that there now you don't have to read it most people are not going to read the introduction of a book that in, unless they're like really thorough thoroughly going through it they're going to try and like f- go find like what's going on here and then right. move on but i think you know sidebars and introductions are great places to uh to bring that thought out yeah you know, and I find the longer I work in the industry, right. the more I care about that. The more interested I am in, why did you make this choice? Because sometimes I'll pick up a game and I'll go, that doesn't make sense. Why did you do that? And I want to know. And if I don't know the designer, it's harder to get that answer. Yeah, and it's harder It's harder to uh, – sometimes I'm like and, – and Brendan will often quote me as saying, well, why would I play this game? And, and what sometimes needs to happen is I need to break the fourth, somebody needs to break the fourth wall and tell me what they want to get out of this. And maybe that will help steer me into a direction where like, oh yeah, no, clearly this is a game that I would like to uh, experience in this way. 
And sometimes that's clear and sometimes that's not. And I can certainly understand the uh, when you're reading through something in decisions and you're like, oh, this sounds cool. Or why the hell did you put that there? Is <laughs> always interesting. So. All right, we can uh, talk. Let's let's talk a little bit about the art because you obviously yeah. spent some good money on this art, and it's beautiful. It's black and white, and it's kind of a throwback to. I mean, it's the art is feels modern and new, but it has this. You know, the black and white reminds me of a lot of great games over the years before we went crazy with color sure. and everything. So. Can you tell me a little bit about that, the process of maybe deciding to go this direction and maybe why you picked to? Yeah, it was actually, I saw an artist whose work I liked. He had a uh, sort of a rough digital painted style um, and he and was fantastic at like just straight black and white space. Um, and I just reached out to him and said, yo, here's my idea. I'd like to commission a test piece. And that piece is not in the book because ah, it's going to be the final cover, actually. But uh, he, yeah, I said it's Conan, but Conan, where everything hates you and wants you to die. More so. <laughs> and he knocked out all of the art wow. in the book. In this game, I've been writing this game for okay. two years, give or take. Just off and on, when I needed a project to work on that wasn't a primary one, I would I would pull it up and do that instead. Um, so it was never like a priority project, and so I, you know, I just commissioned some art and pay him here and there. Okay. As we were working and, on it. And uh I mean it's 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 a great choice. I really I really dig the aesthetic. It really helps set the tone. Um Yeah, it's all uh, by an artist named Runehammer or Brandish Gilhelm. He also writes the uh, index oh, okay. card RPG. Right, yeah. And he illustrated all right. that, obviously, because it's his own book. That's the advantage of, like, Di- like Diogo. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. super talented. And I can write yeah. and I can draw. You bastards. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, he did a fantastic job. If you want to see some pieces, you can kind of get a sample of the art on the website for it called Carrion. Uh, right, just which, like Brendan which was a confusion. I asked. Um, I got asked by multiple people, of course, because I know Brendan Carrion. Asked by multiple people, is this Brendan's game? I'm like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> but it, no, it's carrying right, it in it, the it, burnt yeah. sense. So, uh, yeah, yeah, like decaying flesh. And, and that was uh, that was um, pretty funny. But it's also. Um, I mean, not funny. That's not funny. But the 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 people asking me this question, I was like, no, it's it's not. It's uh, <laughs> it is a uh, uh, yeah, an interesting swords and sorcery game. Like I, I think we're yeah, um, we're, it's it's interesting where um, we are in this uh, uh, kind of. I like to call it the golden age of RPGs, and then I I, I see the new announcement today of Wendy's RPG, and I go. Okay, are we are we at peak RPG? Uh, <laughs> maybe not yet, but I think the RPG industry, especially with crowdfunding, has become a little less one note. Yeah, right. Like you have these subcultures that can sustain themselves outside of other games. So I don't think the RPG industry as a whole will peak or decline anymore in mass per se, barring some like nation worldwide economic. Right. I think you'll see as you know, maybe five E popularity goes down. And indie story games go up. Like these, these communities are going to balance themselves out against each other now. Well, if Five E starts to dip in popularity, which I don't see any ha- anything happening right soon, but uh, it, then the Wizard will release a sixth edition. Like I have, <laughs> and as long right. as they, 
They are they are killing it with five E though. No, I don't think they're going to be two for years. We have a um, a board game night, but it's also beginner D and D night at the uh, Arizona Game Fair warehouse. And there is seriously like seventy five people in a warehouse playing beginners D and D on a Tuesday night. Like it's sort of insane. <laughs> My mind, like if you're not sitting on a chair, you're bound to lose it. Kind of play. <laughs> it's, it's kind of how people are enthusiastically trying out Dungeons Dragons and they uh I hope that uh, the a good percentage of them get to try interesting things like carrying lands and the some of the tiny tiny uh yeah. uh yeah, I mean, yeah that's that's kind of the hope right it's kind of what everybody that's that's gone hey you know there are games other than D&D and then you uh go wait I why would I play D&D anymore when I have all these amazing other games but there's uh, it, it, it's a Venn diagram or a low percentage kind of thing to, uh, unfortunately, but we're, we're getting better. I think people are, people are seeing more newer games. Uh, well, and it's just like anything. There's always going to be oh, something yeah. that's the most popular, right? And there's always going to be people who just stick with it, you know, like, uh, the console <laughs> wars of the 2000s. Well, I'm glad right? the, adi- I'm glad the edition wars so. have sort of quieted and ended. So let us not have another war like that. Um, <laughs> But I have no. But, uh, so, like, what? So, what are your further plans with Car- Carry Lands? You're going to continue the beta. You're going to open. Uh, you're going to do a revision in yeah. about a month or so. You've actually, uh, you're, you've got uh, print on demand on drive through now. Is that? Did I see that? Yep, PDF and print on demand are out. Um, we won't be updating the print on. We won't be updating the files directly. What we'll do is we'll just add, unless there's a a major. Like it's sort of that because if we update the interior file, we have to reproof it, and then right. people's prints are out of edition. And so we're trying to figure out the best way. Oh, excuse me. Um, we'll have to figure out the best way to. Well, do if that. you buy the, you know, you buy the the hard the paper version, then uh, maybe it's like a a PDF you can because these pages look you, you could print the pages and kind of stick them in the back as an addendum until you until you print a new new version. Yeah, that's kind of. That's kind of my hope. Uh, we'll, we'll, well, at least we'll probably release, we'll probably update the PDF, and we'll also probably make those changes available oh, yeah. as a downloadable file. Um, oh, oh, I just well, got a there you go. In my lap. <laughs> I, uh, um, and uh, so, yeah, and the plan is to keep, you know, we'll basically, we've already got a lot of feedback from people, so we're going to do some rules, updates, revisions, clarifications. Um, we're going to add some more SETI material, add a little more GM guide. And and then what what are you thinking like six months of this a year of this um, what kind of development ah uh, see and that's that's my big hang up you know like I mean if I let it run for ten years I can probably make enough off it to fund yeah. a print run <laughs> maybe not it's yeah. the game industry um but I my goal is to you know mitigate the need right. for a big Kickstarter so if like if we can you know get to the point where Basically, our cost is, you know, we can cover half the cost of the print run and we only need to kickstart, you know, $3,000. Then, you know, I'd like to be able to do that in the year, right. next year or and, so, and I think. There is, I mean, since people have have the copies out already and have played it, then I think you're going to get a pretty good response from uh, from a Kickstarter or just even a pre-order uh, type system. Right, uh, which is, uh, I think, a good idea. Is I've seen some people go to more of a on their own site yeah. pre-order kind of thing. Yeah, we've we've toyed with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot harder to set up and uh, like manage right. on a back end level. I think 
and the marketing is a lot harder. You got to do yeah, a lot more like that's, work. Uh, that seems to be the the conundrum with a lot of people right now because you're right. Kickstarter is kind of crazy bonkers off off the wall right at the moment. And I thought I was tailing right. down on how many Kickstarters I was doing. Like, oh yeah, I haven't been doing too many this year. And then like the last month, I'm like, oh my poor wallet. <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. a little bonkers. Um, and it's just getting hard to get noticed. You know, we're we're lucky in that you know I've been doing this for five years. Uh, we have a a big enough fan base that well we're not self sufficient fully. Like we we can't just put a game out and have it be successful. Um, we we also can avoid having to run a Kickstarter, right. at times. which is it, which is great because Kickstarter takes your money and <laughs> they, they well, like I mean, how doing else that. You're gonna fund your business, but uh, there's also kind of like it's a, it's a big chunk of change there. So, right, it's yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the the hurdle, right? Like, where do we? At what point do we draw the line and say, okay, this is good, or do we say, hey, maybe not now? So oh, that's what we're kind of trying. It's great, to... and um, I know that uh, you are uh, big at going to uh, conventions and getting the word out. So I, I'm sure we'll we'll see you at at uh, some some event uh, soon selling selling these. Uh, I'm assuming you're probably going to make a few of these to sell at your booth at, at some point. So if people don't. Probably it would right. be silly not to. And, I and think, I think the, the the I mean I I'm sure the that cover you have in the store in the, in the warehouse in the in the lockbox is fantastic. But there's something about the minimalism and the 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 snake and the yellow cover, the the like sepia cover that that really uh, speaks something different to me. And I'm I'm hoping that we get more different kinds of covers coming from different manufacturers and. Seems like you. It's it. It speaks to me because I like minimalism stuff. But I can so. Hey, I do too. Dread is one of my favorite covers of all time because of. Oh, Dread is great. Yeah, that's a that's a great cover. Yeah. But no. Yeah. I. I mean, we'll we're kind of picking our cons for next year, right. so we'll see where well, we go. Uh, I. I think we've we've covered a lot of subjects here, Alan. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no. Nope. Well, Just want to say thanks well, for well, having thank me. Thank you for coming on, it. and I will now apologize for uh, not seeing the stars on your dice. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot we were going to cover that. Yeah, you jerk. You blast put me on notice on your I, podcast. Well, I, 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 I yeah, yeah, never, yeah, come, never coming back. <laughs> Just, holy. Clearly, I'm holding a grudge. <laughs> I I appreciate you putting aside that 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 grudge and coming on so I can apologize to you in, uh, in over voice uh, chat and <laughs> no no worries. We explained it on the Kickstarter, yeah, but a lot of and, people and missed it. Out. I, you know, I'm. I'm known for scanning and <laughs> and I think it's a lot of people just scan it's anyway but I do apologize and uh, I'm glad to have you as my friend and I'm glad that you're out there doing the good work of course um, and we, I appreciate we will uh, we'll see you next time for and you know reach out to us anytime you need to talk or uh, you need to you need to get on the air we, yeah. we will love having you on and uh, well and uh, you know Ashley Smith uh, right now, we should really podcast. have you, her do these interviews, so you, your your rage doesn't come through <laughs> the uh, <laughs> me. <laughs> well, it's funny because when we were at uh, Crit Hit last summer, she helped us by running games for the first time. Yeah, she that was I uh, <laughs> I didn't know that at the time, uh, but she uh, she ran a bunch of games for us at Crit Hit, and uh, because I met her through Memory Alpha, because they're using one right. of our games, and uh, and I I love Memory Alpha, and I love the the um, 
the fact that you're using Tiny Frontiers, I think it's a it's a great uh, system to uh, play that kind of Star Trek uh, style game, and I'm 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 excited to have her give us some fresh perspectives because heck, we we all know we need more perspectives in this this industry. So yeah, and she's got a lot of uh, she uh, she's got a good eye for that stuff. So I think you. I think she's the perfect yeah, choice. I, I'm so Excited. I'm so glad to have a woman on this podcast that wants to be here. <laughs> I, is the who wants to be here the primary? No, no, not at all. We also it? need somebody that actually likes RPGs. Oh. So, <laughs> no, it's it's not. But we have a certain aesthetic, and we like to rock and roll. So, uh, um, yeah. thanks so much, Alan. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. 